Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We are on week four of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And we've been looking at the fact that we all have around 50,000 thoughts a day. And what do we do when those thoughts take us down a path that we shouldn't go? What do we do when we're not thinking things that are true? Or what do we think do when we are thinking things that are not helpful? And today we're going to look specifically at what do we do with worry and anxiety? And worries and anxiety come from uh, different places. It could be things external. Uh, as we see the world and those things around us, uh, they can tend to uh, cause uh, fear and stress as we face the unknown, things that we can't even control. And then there's things that are internal, uh, struggles that we have, our own fears uh, that now we're trying to figure out what do we do with all of these thoughts. And we've been looking at the fact that these thoughts take us in a direction. Our thoughts are not neutral. They're either moving us forward or they're, they're moving us backward. And we want to dig in today, but again, looking at this area of anxiety that, that we all struggle with. And it seems like every day there's something new uh, to be uh, worried about. Uh, even right now, we have a fire that is blazing uh, in the Fontana area. And Jesse Turner, where we meet for church as an evacuation center, we have people in our church in the, the fire zone. And so we're, we're praying uh, for, for these people and for these families and the first responders. But that's like one of those examples where out of nowhere, something happens and it causes a lot of worry. And this is a, a fact of life. So it's very helpful and very important to learn what do we do with those anxious thoughts as they come. What I want to start with is just a couple of uh, statements that uh, tell it like it is uh, in this area. Here's, here's the first uh, mean there as it relates to failure. And these are sarcastic, but go ahead and read that. Very interesting statement. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fail. And that can be a really prime source of anxiety. What happens if I mess up? And there's just reality. Well, it's going to happen. And people expect it. Well, even that kind of viewpoint doesn't necessarily help your stress levels. And then here, here's another statement about life getting harder. And you can read that there. So th- those are, are cynical statements. And, and you can find maybe some, some lightheartedness in that. But, but anxiety is actually uh, not a laughing matter. It, it's very serious. And so what I want to do is I want to start by digging into the scriptures again and, and asking God to show us the right perspective in this area, whether it's external stress or worry or, or internal, and what do we do with those thoughts that, that we all have? And I want to actually build on a passage of scripture that I launched last week in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And I want to do the two preceding verses in verse 6 and 7, and I want to set this up a little bit. This is written by Paul, who really gave his life to Christ after coming against Christianity. And he was this elite Jew who was trying to squelch the Christian movement. It was a threat to uh, the Jewish rule of that day. And God got a hold of his life. And Jesus actually spoke to him and said, why why are you persecuting me? And and he gave his life to follow Jesus and realized this is where uh, the Messiah is. Like this is him. And this is where salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. And so he began to go on missionary journeys and share all about the Christian faith. And in the book of Philippians, the context is he's actually been arrested and it's like on house arrest. And so his world is beginning to kind of crumble around him and he's being really ostracized for his faith. People are are plotting to to take him out. And in the middle of all this, he's really trying to help these churches get established. And so in the book of Philippians, he's writing to the people, the new Christians in Philippi. 
And he's giving them instruction on how to have the right perspective in the middle of this world that's begin to crushing them. And in verse six and seven, he gives this just such a refreshing account on what do you do when you're faced with all sorts of thoughts that take you in the wrong direction. So let me read it. What do we do with our anxious minds? Start with verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then this goes to verse eight and nine, which I covered last week. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's helpful for me to know Paul's circumstances. Uh, He was not on a vacation and just enjoying uh, this atmosphere of just God being with him. He was under intense pressure. He didn't know what his future would be, Uh, but he knew there was all sorts of people that were ready for his downfall. And in the middle of this, he gives this passage which presents the right perspective. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to unpack each of these verses and ask the question, what does this mean for us? Like, what do we do with our anxious minds? What is our part? And what Paul explains in these verses is here's what you do when these thoughts come. You don't have to just let them settle in your mind. You don't have to run and freak out. You you can actually deal with them in a productive way. And so let's dig in and take Paul's instruction for us when we face worry and anxiety. The first is we need to acknowledge anxiety. That's actually something that's very helpful. The Christian faith is not a faith where you check your problems at the door or you ignore what's happening in the world. In fact, Christ came to be a light in the middle of the darkness and all of his followers were commanded to be this light as well. That means we have to acknowledge the darkness within us, the things that we struggle with, the pains, the fears that that we have, and then also to acknowledge that this is going on in the world. We don't have to, again, like I talked about last week, have this Pollyanna attitude where it's just not real optimism. Like we need to face the facts, like we're all gonna struggle. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. And so I like this idea. What he's kind of saying is that in every situation, uh, you can face anxiety. And certainly in my life, I found so many situations after situation where anxiety comes, where worry and the unknown and me running the scenarios creep in. And what Paul says is, Acknowledge that in every situation, there's an opportunity for you to kind of stand anxiety down. You don't ignore that it's there, but it's this picture of do not be anxious about anything. So as this anxiety comes, in every situation that it comes, you need to choose to respond. And so for me, that's helpful. If you worry, if you're anxious, you are normal. Sometimes we feel like, why, why do I do this? Why do I struggle? And the struggle of the struggle just takes us down. But what Paul is saying is, is listen, anxiety is going to come. It's going to come in every situation that we can find ourselves in at times. And you need uh, to face them. And this is even wired, I think, into our brains and how our, our brains function. There's this fight or flight that, that we all have. There's a sense of which we can freak out and we can go to the worst scenario. Maybe it's illogical. Maybe it's not based in reason and it's very emotional. And this is normal. But what Paul is saying is like, as that begins to happen, as those responses in you 
and you start to freak out and these red alerts go and you see things that you are kind of sensing are going to be problems for you. Anxiety for you, worry, unknown, fear. You have to acknowledge that that anxiety is there. I've had different experiences in my life where I freaked out and I responded and it was an emotional response and that's normal. And you can look back and say, man, I, why did I do that? And again, sometimes there's that, there's that switch in our brain, our response based on what we see. And this is going on in all of us all the time. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a situation where maybe somebody in authority like your boss wants to initiate a meeting with you. Hey, I'd like to, to talk with you. Have you ever had that situation? I have. A supervisor comes and says, you know, Alex, um, I'd like to talk to you. Can we set up a meeting? Do you know what happens to my mind? I'm thinking, oh, I'm fired. I've lost my job. I no longer will have employment. You ever had situations like that? You don't really even know what's gonna happen. Somebody wants to talk to you and you go to that immediate worry, anxiety, the unknown, fear. And that, that happens again and again. You ever try to get in contact with somebody that you love? Maybe it's your, your spouse or your kids and you can't get a hold of them. You ever had that happen and you run to the worst scenario? Where are they? Why aren't they responding? What's going on? And you can, again, so easily, because of what's happening inside of us, go to those worst case scenarios. And we get triggered all the time. And so the key is, acknowledge where those trigger points come and then the second point, what, what Paul helps us with. You acknowledge anxiety, but then in every situation, here's what you do with it. You don't ignore that it's there. You don't act like it's not true. You face it. And that leads to the second point, which Paul says, and that is to pray and plead. So the first, you acknowledge anxiety. This is real. This is a struggle. This is going to be a potential obstacle. This is a potential threat. I see all these thoughts that are beginning to come. And then it goes to that next part. I need to pray and I need to plead. I need to ask God for help. That's what's so helpful about acknowledging anxiety. You realize how much you need God. Because within you, with all that you're facing, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to think about a situation. I find myself in those situations all the time. I don't know how to handle this. I can't get my, my hands around it. And so Paul says, the good news is acknowledge the anxiety and then pray and plead. You don't stay on the anxiety. You don't focus on it. You don't camp there. You pray and you plead. And this is where he says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he's, he's here talking about this, this idea of this function of prayer. And so you acknowledge anxiety. And it's realizing like I'm up against the giants of worry and fear. I cannot face them down. And you present your request to God. But, but God can help me. And here it talks about uh, prayer and, and petition. And another, another translation says it's like, present uh, your requests, like be made known to God. So all these things that you're concerned with, we can just be self-contained, like the concerns just stay within us. So it's this idea of like, present your, your requests to God. Let them be known to him. Like, here's the thing, he already knows them. But what Paul is saying is you need to acknowledge him. He already knows what's going on, but you need to acknowledge that you need help outside of yourself. You place kind of, worry and anxiety from your own grip and your own concerns and you, you place them into the, the hand of God. And so prayer, when he says by prayer petition, this is talking to God. This is uh, acknowledging his greatness that, that you need him, that he's, he's mighty. And so a mighty God can help me with my worry and stress. 
Now, he's also good. He's, he's faithful. So as I'm asking him for help, in the middle of some very difficult things, he will come through. And so that's what prayer is. It's talking to this almighty God who loves us, who's there for us, who listens to us. And then it says uh, petition, by prayer and petition. This is where you are, are asking God specifically for help. So prayer, acknowledging who he is. God, I, I praise you. I, I love you. I, I need you. You are God. You are good. You are faithful. And then the petition, here's what's going on in my mind. Here's what's going on inside of me and I'm, I'm freaking out and you, you ask him for help. It's telling God what you need. Uh, plead is, is the word I'm using and I think plead is just the sense of like you're, you're desperate. You're desperate for, for his help. I need you, God, to, to help me right now. I can't do it uh, by myself. So prayer, acknowledging who God is. Petition, asking God for help specifically with what you're facing. And then Paul says, with thanksgiving, which I think is really helpful, in the middle of this, you remember the track record of God. That fuels your prayers and that fuels your petitions. And so for me, uh, God, thank you for blank. That's like just something you want to think about. God, thank you for what has he done to help you? Is it by providing you people in your life? And name those people. God, thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for your provision maybe things that he's given you as well as people. And then the second is, God, you have done uh, blank before. Like, how has he come through for you before? God, a few years ago, I was stuck financially. I didn't know what to do. And you provided. And now as I'm facing more challenges in my finances, I know that you're going to come through. That's the thanksgiving. It's, it's remembering the experiences that you've had with God his proven track record of you that becomes now the source of I can trust him because he has come through prayer and petition. Who God is, what I need, and then with thanksgiving, I can know he will come through because he always has. You find this, this urge and this kind of plea throughout scripture. The author of Hebrews tells us that we need to come boldly toward the throne of grace, to come boldly in, in prayer. And that means you, you come with confidence, uh, knowing that, that God, God hears you. And in James, uh, it says, you, you do not have, why? Because you do not ask. And so there's a sense of what, like God is waiting for us to turn to him. God is waiting for us to acknowledge, God, I need your help. And in this area of worry and anxiety, we live in a culture and a society where everyone kind of tells you what you should do, like run to professional, meditate, try to solve it within yourself. But very few tell you to turn to God. And the scriptures say, you do not have because you do not ask. There's a sense like you don't have the relief. You don't have the help. You don't have the resources because you've not turned to God. You, you've maybe turned to yourself. You maybe turned to someone else. And so this is such an encouragement and a challenge to me. I need to acknowledge my anxiety. I need help. I get into worry. I get into fear. I get stressed. And then I need to pray and plead and ask God for help. As you pray, you actually begin to think differently. Prayer impacts your thoughts. Because think about it. When you pray and you petition, you're acknowledging that you need some help. And you're acknowledging the presence in the person of God. That's very powerful. It begins to impact your reality. You realize, like, I'm not facing these situations alone. I'm praying to this God who will help me. And there's actually been done a lot of research 
on how thoughts impact our outlook, but specifically this area of prayer. How does prayer impact the way that your brain is wired? Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf did some research in a book called Switch On Your Brain. And she said this, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Think about that. The very chemistry of your brain makeup can be measured by the prayers that you have. And I love that because God is, this, is the God of science. He, he made us. And when we're in line with him, with how we think and how we direct ourselves and our perspective and our values, when they are in line with him, it's a sense of like we actually function as we should, like as people dependent on our creator, the almighty one, to give us his strength. And so that's our part. Acknowledge anxiety, pray and plead. Ask God, bring him into what you face. So I just encourage you right now with what you're facing, the anxieties that you have, take a moment right now and pray and ask God for help. So I'm gonna do that and I'm just gonna lead us right now. God, we do acknowledge that we are, we worry people, we, we're stressed, there's fears, there's unknown. And so right now, God, we wanna stop and we wanna apply what the scriptures say. We don't wanna be anxious in anything, but in everything, we, we pray and ask you for help. So God, we acknowledge you are the almighty God. You are all powerful. You will help us. And God, we pray for people right now that are struggling with stress and anxiety. Maybe it's the unknown that they're facing in their, their job and their career and it, it's overwhelming and it's debilitating. Maybe there's worry and stress related to our family and our marriages and our kids. And we're weighed down by this, God. So we ask that, that you will hear our prayers that you will hear and we know that you do because your scriptures say we can approach the throne of grace boldly because you are gracious and you are king and you rule and you know what we need and so we ask you lord to help thank you for the ways that you've come through for us as individuals thank you for the ways that you've provided for us as a church we we know that you are a faithful god and we acknowledge that right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've looked at what our part is. And now I want to shift gears. Like, how does God calm our anxious minds? So we can acknowledge it and we can pray and plead. But what, what, does, what does God do? The good news is Paul explains that. And he, he walks us through God's part. First is this. He gives us peace. In the middle of anxiety, in the middle of worry, the thing that we're lacking the most is peace, right? It's like, that's the opposite. It's when you're anxious, when you're filled with stress, peace is the last thing that you experience. You experience trouble. You experience uh, just feeling insecure. You, you worry about all sorts of things, but you don't experience peace. And so what happens when you turn to God and you ask him for help? He brings peace to you. Check out what the scripture says. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So as you turn to God with your anxieties, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you present your requests. Notice what happens. The peace of God comes. It comes to you. It comes to me. It comes to us. Now, this word peace means rest. It actually literally means the freedom from worry. 
quietness, welfare. It reminds me of the Hebrew word shalom, which is like a greeting. Like it's like, may you be filled with peace. It's a, a beautiful greeting. It's so much more powerful than like, hello, how are you? It's like shalom. Like I hope you'll have rest today. In a way, I hope you'll be free from the anxiety which plagues this world. And certainly as Christ followers, this should be true of us. We should have this rest, this welfare. God will come through. And notice that the peace of God, it's so important. It's not uh, our peace. Like we don't have it. It's not the world's peace. They don't have it. The peace of God. It's his peace. And it's not linked to our circumstances. And this is why it doesn't make sense. Because we think, how could we have peace in the middle of what we're facing? So think about this. How could Paul, on house arrest, talk about the peace of God? How could that be possible? It's because it's God's peace. It's not Paul's peace. It's not based on his circumstances, which we just look at today. It's like we just think the only way we can be peaceful is we have to get to a peaceful environment or circumstances. So it's like we long for vacations. We long to turn off reality to get to an alter reality. But the fact is we can't live on vacation. We have to live in the real world with what we face. And the peace of God can be with us even in those moments. And that doesn't even make sense. In the middle of stress and things that are filled with unknown we can experience this peace. It transcends all understanding. It's, it's counterintuitive. He gives us this peace. It's his. And he can freely give it to all who seek him, who all ask him for help. Now, what does this peace do? God gives it to us, but what does it do? And that's the next part. Not only does he give us peace, he provides, God provides protection. And the scripture goes on. It says, this peace which doesn't make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've talked a lot about the heart. That's where our thinking and our decision-making process happens. It's the cockpit of our life. It directs where we go. It will guard our heart and our minds when everything is being processed and all of our mulling and all of the thoughts that we are filtering through what's going to happen in our life, the good and the bad, the peace and the stress, we can actually find protection in the middle of all these things. The word there, a guard, we've talked about guarding our heart. Uh, this word now in the New Testament has a similar connotation, but it's actually like this armed garrison. There is somebody on watch with a gun ready to take out any sort of threat. Now, I love this picture. Here's an image of the, the unmarked grave of the soldier, and you've got this guard that's walking and pacing, and he's armed and no matter what, he's, he's showing like we are protecting the honor of those who have fallen. And I love that picture. It's, it's this, this reminder that God's peace is like this, this guard who's on the watch. And God does not fall asleep. He does not check out. He's going to guard us. And I begin to think in my own life, what are the things that I tend to do to try to guard my own life? Like when I'm trying to protect myself. Well... Uh, I try to guard my own reputation. Uh, you may do that too, where we, we're so concerned with what people think of us. This can be called the fear of man or people-pleasing. But we want to guard our reputation. We, we want to guard our resources. If you're stressed about, stressed about uh, your, your finances, you're stressed about your time, you feel like you don't have enough, what do you begin to do? You begin to guard it. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to shrink uh, the access that God can have. 
I'm gonna shrink my time, the access that, that people can have. I wanna guard my energy, I wanna protect it. And so we protect our reputation, we protect our resources, uh, we also protect our space. When we're worried and stressed, what do we mostly do? We begin to check out. If you wanna know where a lot of people are, if people are no longer talking to you and somebody who you've been close with and they're like AWOL, like you don't know where they are, a lot of times it's because they're, they're overwhelmed. So you may wanna reach out to them. But all of us have that pull, like when we're stressed, pull away from people. Like it's, it's a strong, and so that's how we try to guard. That's how we try to protect ourselves. What Paul's saying is, is that's not the guard. You, you can't self-protect. Your world shrinks. Your influence shrinks. You become so internal that then all you're seeing is the walls of your anxiety and worry. So the very thing that's causing you to not make progress, it's like you, you double down it, and now you're like, well, this is all that there is, and that's all that you see, and then that impacts what you do. Paul is saying is you can be protected from this cycle of just being stuck, feeling like you can't get out. God will guard your minds and your hearts. And his peace guards us differently. For instance, he, he's in charge of our reputation. Actually, when you can move beyond just what people think of you to really what God thinks of you, there's a lot of freedom. That's a key way you could battle worry. Also, he can provide what you need. When you think you have to continually like, protect your resources, and then you look at God who has unlimited resources, that can really help your anxiety because you realize, here I'm protecting this, and then I've got this God who I can ask for help who will give me what I need. There's a lot of freedom there as well. Uh, we, didn't, we don't need to, to hold back because God gives us more. We can empty ourselves and then God refills us. And then we empty ourselves and God refills us as it relates to time as it relates to our energy, as it relates to serving the church and loving people. As we do the things God commands us to do, he'll take care of us. Now, here's another question. So our part, we acknowledge it, we pray and plead. God's part, he gives us peace and then he protects us. Those promises you have to cling to, the peace and protection of God. But then how do we team? And how do you team with God in the middle of anxiety? And this is something I just keep coming back to. And so I just encourage you to really just memorize these things. The first is this, do what you can do. So there's things that you're facing and you can run the scenarios of the unknown. And sometimes you can be so future-based or so past-based mulling what happened that you forget to be present-based. This is the area of be faithful with what you have. So if you're stressed about your school grades, you can be so stressed about an assignment that you missed or an exam that you have coming up, and you could be focusing on this and that and this and that that you're not studying. And then the test that you're gonna take, you're not gonna do well on. So the idea, do what you can do. Study for your exam. Take care of your responsibilities. And then you're doing your part. That helps push down worry. I need to focus on my responsibilities. I don't need to focus on all these other things I can't control. Do what I can do. Then the next is this, give God what I can't do. You know how many things we can't do? It seems like so much of life that we deal with is something that we don't have control over. We can't control our future. We can't control what somebody else does. We can't control our past. We can't control what's happening in the world. We actually can't even control what people think of us. 
So we have to just continually, in those moments where we worry and stress about all those things, we have to continually give God what I can't do. And so for me, I have to keep asking certain questions like this. Is this, is this something I'm supposed to handle? That's a good question to ask. Is this something I'm supposed to be concerned about? You get asked that question. If it's not, you give that to God. Uh, is this my circle of concern? Like, is this a part of the stewardship that God's given me? If not, you give it to God. Uh, am I supposed to focus on this right now? Like, in everything that I have going on in my life, is this what I should be doing right now in this moment? If not, give it to God and do what you should be doing right now. That will provide a lot of freedom. Uh, if you're confused, if you don't know which way is up and you just feel overwhelmed, like your bearings are off, I feel that all the time. It feels like, you know, if you ever wiped out in the ocean, you're trying to ride a wave and all of a sudden you just get in the wave wrong and it spins you and you feel like you're a gymnast in the Olympics, but you're not trained and you just stand up and you're just so confused. You don't know if the sky is that way or that way. That, that's how it feels with worry. It just spits us out, chews us up, and we just come dizzy. In those moments, you give it to God. God, I don't even know what I should do right now. I'm overwhelmed. I am confused. I don't even have my bearings. You ask God, will you help me? Here's just a reminder for me. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. So when worry comes, you just have to remember there's a battle going on. This leads to the next part. So do what you can do. Give God what you can't do. And then trust God no matter what. When worry and stress comes, it's like an, it's an indicator. It's very helpful. It's an indicator of just the sense like I need God's help. And I'm beginning to get into distrusting him. And I need his help. Now, if you've never committed your life to Christ, you can become a Christian. And it's very difficult for you to give God what you can't do if you don't have a relationship with him because you don't really have his help yet. Like he, he will hear you as you, you call out to him. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you're really just bearing the weight of your life and your worries uh, yourself. And you need the support and the help and really the grace of God. So briefly, I just want to walk through what it means to be a Christian. And I want to share uh, what's called the, the Lord presentation. And Lord is an acrostic that stands for a few things. And so I just want to walk through. Uh, the first is that uh, love. The Bible says that God loves you and he wants you to experience abundant or real life. So as you're worried about uh, this stress and all these things going on in your life, you need to know that, that God loves you and, and he wants to have a relationship with you. You do not have to face this life alone. But here's the reality. This is the O. Uh, we've all gone our own way. But rather than turning to God, every one of us began to sin, going our own way, trying to be our own boss. That's why this world is so messed up. We've all gone our own way and we're in sin. And that leads to the R. Here's the result. The result is our separation from God. The Bible says that sin has cut us off from knowing God personally. So instead of experiencing life and freedom God desires, uh, for us people, we, we're dead spiritually. We're cut off from God. And we're actually in bondage to the enemy. And oftentimes that bondage, that slavery, is the slavery of stress and worry and fear. That's how we're in change. Chains. But here's the good news. Our destiny, that's the D, to remedy the situation. God sent Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And he was raised from the dead. The Bible says 
that all people without Jesus are destined for hell. But those who repent, that means you turn around, you yield your life to Jesus as the boss of their life. These people will become children of God and experience the life and freedom God desires for them. That's found in Romans 10, another letter of Paul's. So I want to encourage you, if, if you've never committed your life to Christ, we've been talking a lot about dealing with your thoughts, but you, you can't really deal with the root of your thinking and your heart unless you're actually willing to give God your life and surrender your heart to him, to, to make him your boss. And so uh, I want to just end with some next steps. And that's the, the first one. As Joel mentioned to fill out, I encourage you, finish filling this out, but, but take a next step. The first one is this, uh, contact me about following Jesus. I just briefly shared what it means to become a, a follower of Christ. Realize I've gone my own way, but God can save me from that. His grace, unmerited that I haven't earned, he gives freely. And he will forgive you of your sin and he will help you. And so on the connection card, you'll see there, you can just mark. Uh, contact me about following Jesus and, and we, we want to follow up with you and help you become a Christian and give your life to him. And then he be- can begin to deal with your heart and helping you. You don't have to clean up your life before you come to Christ. You come to Christ, then he cleans up your life. There's a big difference. Second next step is if you want to dig in to the scriptures for yourself, there is a winning the war in your mind Bible plan through version. And so sign up for that and we'll send you the link so you can do this plan. It's seven days. It'll help you with some perspective and then getting into the scriptures for yourself will be like a helpful summary of what we've covered uh, in this series so far. So check that. We'll get that to you. And then we're going to close up the, the series next week uh, talking about kind of the spiritual dimension of our thinking and this warfare that's going on in the spiritual realm. And I'm going to talk about how do you stay alert to that? And so come back next week and, and invite somebody, invite somebody uh, to join us. And so we're so glad that you've spent your time with us today. I hope this has given you some next steps that you can take. So as we close, consider that next step. And with God's help, take it. Thank you guys for joining us. God bless.